G'day, I'm Ollie Lalive and welcome to GRDC In Conversation. We'd first like to acknowledge the traditional lands on which the podcast is produced. We've travelled to and spoken to people all across Southern Australia for this series. We'd like to pay our utmost respects to the First Nations Australians who have told stories on this land for thousands of years. This series is a GRDC investment that takes you behind the scenes as we sit down with some of the people shaping our grain industry, uncovering their journeys, learning more about their passions and the projects that are part of their everyday. We're uncovering Southern Australia's grain-growing regions, chatting with researchers, advisors, growers, advocates and just about everyone in between. Now, my next guest on GRDC in conversation is someone who has just the most optimistic outlook and I just love how she approaches the different challenges and aspects of her life. Tanya Morgan is someone who might be familiar to a few of you. 20 years ago, she left Adelaide behind after taking on her first role in Murray Bridge and then now, for more than 20 years, has been settled in the little town of Gerania, just on the Mallee Highway. And I just loved her chat and what we covered. I think she has just such a refreshing outlook on the way that her little goals, New Year's resolutions, a goal of making sure that the outlook she has doesn't create a bad day for her, of challenging herself to get out of her comfort zone. And I think what's so interesting, she's a dog trainer, a farmer, she's involved in communication, she's always looking to learn. And I just found this chat really fascinating. It was a really refreshing 45 minutes or so. So let's get into it. Tanya, I think Firstly, welcome to the GRDC and Conversation podcast. It's been fascinating, just some of the people we've sat down with so far as part of these series. And I'm really interested to flesh out how an Adelaide-born gal ends up in the Mallee, but also, I'm going to say, quite influential and really involved in the Mallee farming community as well. So I'm excited for it. How are you today? Going good today. I'm pretty excited to see where this goes to. I really don't know what I'm going to say. So, Yeah. I think that's the beauty of it, Tanya. But whereabouts are you joining us from? Uh, so I'm sitting in my office at the farm at the moment. So the farm where I live is situated at Jaybuck. It's one of those drive past the shop and you miss it sort of towns. But it's amazing how many people I say I live at Jaybuck and they know exactly where that is. So yeah, just on the Mallee Highway, probably an hour or so from the Victorian border. And um, yeah, pretty happy here. I've been here for 20 odd years now. So am I local yet? I'm hoping I'm making local status these days. So for those who aren't familiar with Jay Buck, can you tell us driving through town on the Mallee Highway, are we slowing to 80 or are we slowing down to 50 as we go through town? What type of town is it? No, you don't have to slow down for this one. So it's really a town based off the highway. So there's a lot more behind the town, but most people would know the, the coffee shop that's there on the highway which just had a fire recently. So it's not currently open. So don't stop there for a coffee. But yeah, most people would know that there's a a coffee shop that's there and it used to have lots of old trucks sitting out the front. So it was always something that would make you turn your head as you drove past. So tell me, what is it that you love about the town? Well, living in the Mallee is more than just Jaybuck, the town itself. We've probably got a bigger community at Geranium. And that's another one of those towns where you, you blink and you miss it. But You just don't see all the richness that is behind just driving in the the main street of Geranium. That's where my kids went to school. Got a community gym there. There's just a really great community. The bowling club for night bowls. 
yeah, there's just so much happening behind the scenes, which I think is the same for every country town you drive through. There's a lot more when you scratch the surface than what you see just passing through. And so what is it, I guess, especially that you love about the Mallee and that part of the world, which is has been home for more than 20 years? Yeah, it's funny. When I look back to 20 years ago, I really did not like living in the Mallee, which might shock a few people. I don't know, maybe they knew. But first of all, I, I grew up in the city and then I got my first job when I left uni working for the department, Primary Industries, and I was based at Kadena. And there was just such a thriving group of young people there at the time. We had the coast. You could go down to the beach whenever you wanted. There's just so much happening. I think it was a bigger town as well. And then I got transferred to Murray Bridge and I was just devastated. But the work was so much better at the time. So, And I also met my husband. So ended up in the Mallee and it was just different. Farming was a lot harder than what I'd known to start with. I hate to say, but when I first like just the naivety of somebody growing up in the city and being on, on the York Peninsula to start with. I actually thought all farmers drove BMWs, which is really, really terrible to say now because I know how hard farming is and anyone that drives a BMW farming definitely deserves it. But then moving to a really low rainfall region, some of the hardest cropping country around, just made me really open my eyes to this whole other world and I actually really like the underdog. I, I barrack for the underdog and I just see how tough the farmers are out here and just the mateship in that. And that has just really made me grow to love where I live. So I couldn't imagine living anywhere else now. So what was it that kept like a young woman who's progressing through a career, I guess, has opportunity there? Like what is it during the tough times that kept you in the Mallee and in your town? I think you definitely have to say community. When things were tough, you were never going through it on your own. Yeah, you could always see that everybody else was doing it tough as well. But in that just comes a sense of not taking yourself too seriously, I think. People were still able to find joy in just the little things, getting together in our early years of marriage. We'd have some great parties with people around the district and yeah, just don't take yourself too seriously and just try and have fun and get together as much as you can. And I think after a long period of time, nothing bad ever stays bad forever. So I think anyone that's stuck it out and is still here just really appreciates the journey we've been on and we appreciate each other and everybody in the district sort of helps each other and I just love that. Yeah, and I love your outlook on it. It's so optimistic and positive as well. One of my first bosses, I guess my first real boss, in the workplace. He was like, Ollie, just know that like when things are tough and bad, that something will always give. So he's like, just keep working with the hope that you know, or with the belief that you know that something's going to give. And he's like, but just make sure the thing that gives isn't you. And it's like, I think it's so true. Like I find it when you're like, oh my God, and overwhelmed or stressed or whatever might happen. It's like, something's always going to give. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other because it will turn around. Absolutely. And I know it's not always easy for people to ride it through. And, you know, we lost a lot of people in the drought that went from the early 2000s to the late 2000s. That was some of the toughest years I've ever experienced. And especially like an Adelaide person coming out used to growing up in a family with two incomes that are guaranteed every fortnight and then moving to a farm where, you know, you're lucky if you can pay your overdraft off from one year to the next. It's just different. And, yeah, I appreciate the resilience it's taught me and, you know, 
back in those early days, we were only just married and having kids and couldn't work full time. And, and that was really tough. So I think you need to go through some tough times to really appreciate the good times. So I appreciate the tough times we've been through. Hope there's not too many more to come. I know there will be, but um, definitely think that I'm well equipped to handle it going forward. And I've got, well, there's a whole range of questions I want to ask you, but that piece around, like, you'd gone to Murray Bridge, you were building your career, fell in love, moved to the farm, and then started to have kids. How did you go in those early days of actually balancing, I guess, your career aspirations with going, actually, well, yeah, like, did your perspective or importance of different parts of your life actually change as you were becoming more and more part of the community in the farming business as well? I think I might be a bit of an outlier here. I'm not sure. I loved having a family and loved having kids, but I had terrible FOMO when I was on maternity leave. I couldn't stand missing out on what others were doing at work. And I love working. I love having a thousand things on the go, which my kids tell me is my biggest downfall too. Like My oldest child went walking with me the other day and said, no more unfinished projects. But I'm just so excited about trying so many different things that there's just not enough hours in the day to do it all. So I do a thousand things and they're just all unfinished. But anyway, I'll get to them one day. But that's what it was like in the early days of my career and having kids. I took three months off with my first child. I took six months off with my second and maybe nine with my third. And yeah, I just needed to get back to work because I hated knowing that other people were learning and growing and I wasn't there to experience that. And I loved going to work. It was a great place to be and just meeting so many different people. And I just love having enjoyable workspace because you work, spend so much time with your colleagues. Yeah, I've made lots of good friends along the way, which has been good. So, yeah, I, I struggled to be home, if anything. So now that my kids are a bit older, I'm starting to see that my time's running out with them and, and it's probably a bit of a re- reverse for me. I want to spend more time at home with them now. So, yeah, it's been a bit different. Yeah, you went from pulling them under your arm and taking them to work so you could get back into it. Now you're pulling them back under your arm to say, no, 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 you're not going, you're not going away. Come back here. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I've got pictures of on my camera reel with my youngest. I took her out soil sampling and she had a bucket and a spade and she was helping me and I paid her in white chocolate frogs that day. I remember that being, that was an awesome day. But I didn't get to do that too often because most of the time I was in meetings and, and things like that. But yeah. It's funny how things change, but 20 years goes pretty quickly. So um, interested to see whether they end up in a career in agriculture too, based on what they've grown up with and what they've seen my husband Adam and I go through. So wait and see. It's not all white chalky frogs and and shoveling dirt, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly right. So things get a bit more serious the older you get. So They do, gosh. I don't know if it's for the better or not. I kind of love that. The youth naivety that I feel like I once had. I'm still there in parts, but uh, growing up, it's a hell of a beast. Absolutely. Exciting though. For sure. Creates opportunity. Now, so how does a girl that grew up in Adelaide end up pursuing this career in agriculture? Where were the influences for you? And and do you have like a really early memory of the influence of agriculture on your life? No. So it's really strange that I've ended up here. Although I think about it. I think the pool was always there in some form. So maybe in a past life, I was a peasant farmer or something. There's something within me that is just saying, be in the country, move to the country. It's just better. I I never liked growing up in the city. 
my mum was a biology teacher, so I always really liked sciences. And I guess the only real tie I had to any sort of agriculture was that my grandparents both worked at the Wade Institute and they were displaced persons. They were both born in Latvia and they lived in a displaced persons camp in Germany for a while. So they came over to Australia with, with no real skills. My grandfather started working in the railways and then somehow he ended up at the Wade Institute where he did some research in Potoftra. So I always used to remember them telling me about how they used to work at the Wade and they knew all these people. My grandma, she was just like an office clerk, I think. So they had this connection and he'd written a paper and yeah, so I knew about the Wade Institute and that's about it. And then when I left school, I didn't really, I had no direction really. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't happy being in the city. Applied for wine science. I didn't quite, mate, I missed out by one mark to get into that. So I just went into the ag science degree and I couldn't have been happier with that decision that was made for me at the time because I have never looked back. Loved it and just knew that's exactly where I needed to be. So the rest is history, I guess. And the Wade Institute is in Adelaide, kind of on the outskirts a little bit. So you you did stick around Adelaide. Did it start to shift your, I guess, the place that Adelaide has in your heart when you're actually able to study agriculture and find something you really loved in the city? Or is it still like a, nah, let's get out of here? Oh, no, nah, I was like, let's get out of here. I couldn't wait to get out of here. I'd made so many great friends at uni and they all lived on farms or came from farms and Oh, I just loved going back on weekends and visiting them and, you know, going and enjoying the birthday parties on the farm and stuff like that. That was just where I wanted to be. So, like, I'm a really deep introvert, so I really enjoy my own time. Like, I just find I talk to myself often. I just think and create and come up with all sorts of harebrained schemes. So, being by myself on the farm is never an issue. So... In fact, it's probably dangerous me having lots of thinking time. I do come up with too many crazy things that I want to do <laughs> try. What's something you've got on there at the moment that is a, a wild, harebrained, big, hairy, audacious goal? Well, funnily enough, I have signed up to do Kokoda in April next year. So that's probably the latest big passion project of mine, just because somebody asked whether I'd be interested in going with them. It was never on my list of things to do, but I'm like, why not? Life's too short. So that is just consuming all my thoughts now, um, training, what sort of gear I'm going to need. Am I going to be able to handle not having a shower for nine days? Can I sleep on the ground because I'm a bit of a five-star girl? <laughs> yeah. So that's my next crazy adventure, but um, I'm sure there'll be a few others along the way, which is exciting. Do you find yourself trying to find these challenges outside of your work life to maybe balance things out? Quite possibly. I also think like I was a child that was terrified of everything and the older you get, you get that confidence. And every year I make a New Year's resolution that, and it's never anything huge. It's never like, oh, I'm going to do all these crazy, or sometimes they're crazy, but they're usually things like, I'm not going to have a bad day this year. I'm just going to try not to have a bad day. Just try and be more positive. One year it was, I'm going to do things that scare me. So anything that scares me, I'm going to lean into that and do it because I was such a fearful child that I've spent too much of my life being like that. So now I'm just going to try the things that scare me, apart from bungee jumping or jumping out of a plane. I have put a, a line through those, but anything else, I'll give it a go. So I guess that's where it comes from. And that sort of never went away, that resolution. And I encourage everyone to try that because it's awesome what you open your mind to when you do that. Yeah, well, I'm really curious. I've got a couple of questions on that. First, 
having a whole year without a bad day. Is that one you're working through at the moment? Because is that actually achievable when there's so much of life that is out of your control? I think so, because it's all how you frame it. So you can still have days that are challenging and hard, but I just refuse to let it be in my head. Oh, this is just such a terrible day. I just don't want to go on with this day anymore. Like you can still have a bad day, but I choose not to let it sort of dictate my life anymore. So oh, there's lots of things going wrong, but I'm going to still appreciate this day for what it is. I guess that's all it is. It's just gratitude and people do it in lots of different ways, writing those gratitude journals and taking pictures of things they like. But wow, it just gives you this freedom when you just reframe how you look at things. Absolutely. And the year of doing things that scared the bejesus out of you. Yeah. What did you actually do? Well, because I was never very good at public speaking and it's something I've been really working on. I do love it, but I just get this terrible anxiety, but I'm getting better at it. So I just signed up to do a certificate three in fitness just because I wanted to. I don't know why. So I did that and then I decided to become a spin bike instructor. So I went and did that in Adelaide with people I didn't know and just doing a whole pile of random things like that. So I've also taught myself how to be a dog trainer and there are just so many things in life I want to experience just not enough time in the day. And I love doing things quickly, getting really good at something and then moving on to the next thing. So that's where I'm at. I love that. Now, we've got five questions which we ask everyone that comes on it, but I'm just going to throw it in here. This is the beauty of just the conversation. What are some of those things that are on your bucket list? Bucket list? I definitely want to travel more. It's something I hadn't done earlier. India terrifies me as a place, but I'm reading a really good book about it at the moment. So I really want to go there. Other things on my bucket list. I have signed up to do some study. So I'm really getting into the whole podcasting, social media side of things and being closer to 50 than 40, you know, it's a real challenge to keep up with the latest trends. Although I've started texting with two thumbs now, so I think I'm getting better in that respect. So, (laughs) yes, I I really want to complete this study and get really good at understanding social media communication because I see there's a massive opportunity with how we do that better in agriculture and communicating with farmers that are so time poor and they've always got their phones with them now. So how can we just communicate with them better through that channel? I really, really want to teach one of my dogs some agility training. I've done the course. Now I've just got to follow through and find the time to train my second Labrador in particular before she destroys all my furniture. Some really cool things. So that's three things. Yeah, I reckon that's pretty good. You know, one thing that amazes me about India is, you know, the Taj Mahal is perfectly symmetrical, like every tile and everything, exact same on one side as it is on the other. Wow. I wonder what tools they used for that. Yeah, I don't know. A heck of a drawing. Yeah, absolutely. It was a guy that built it for his wife, I believe. Yeah, right. Yep. Lucky wife. Oh, I know. Imagine just getting that. Here you go. Happy wedding anniversary. (laughs) Absolutely. That's worth going to have a look at, I think. So that's on the list. Yeah, I love that. Now, coming back into the career side of things, you're quite involved with the Mallee Sustainable Farming Group organisation. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and what's the purpose behind it? Well, Mallee Sustainable Farming or MSF is one of many farming systems groups. It's over 20 years old now, so it's been around for a while. And I actually was involved with it right in its early days when I started with the department. They had a lot of extension agronomists from the department helping to get MSF up and running. So I had 
time with it back in the early days and then I went away from it for a while and then in about 2017 I think I came back on board as just a contractor just helping them out with a conference and then just managed to take on more project management responsibilities and then more program management so we apply for lots of different research grants and work with Frontier Farming Systems, Michael Moody and his team to put in lots of research trials. And then we do some sort of demonstration work, the D work, and a lot of extension around that too. So lots of farmer events and more recent years, more novel ways of communicating, especially with COVID. We're a tri-state organisation and COVID was a massive challenge for a group that had borders and lockdowns. So we was already sort of heading in that space to start with, but uh, COVID just really put the accelerator on on where we were going to take all these things. So that's what we do. That's what I do day to day. Every day is different. I've got a great team of people that we work with, love the projects we work on, love the farmers we work with. And I get to travel across New South Wales, Victoria and SA. And that has been tremendous meeting all those different people because the Mallee is big, like we cover 4 million arable hectares and it's diverse, different challenges but they're all the same that, you know, they deal with low rainfall and, and tough times and you find strength in those people and that's really rewarding working with them. And so the Mallee has been really fortunate to have some good seasons. I was going to ask you about is the group in a stronger position kind of post-COVID, but I would just presume naturally probably are, I guess, advancements in communication, the seasonal farming conditions. Like, is that a fair assessment? Well, I guess... Groups like us are really relying on funding. So when the funding landscape is really good, you know, we do a lot better. Back in 2017, we were sort of coming off of, this is when I came on board, things were really tough back then. We'd just come off of GRDC was going through a restructure and the National Land Care Program was winding down its first phase and considering what it was going to do for its second. So there was a bit of a, a black hole in funding there for a while and that had a massive impact on our organisation, I know it impacted other farming systems groups, just continuity of funding is always something that's a massive challenge. And, you know, like anything, if you could just get on and do your job and do it well, you could achieve so much. But when you're just worried about getting money through the door, that's always a worry. But it's similar to what farmers go through. Sometimes you have a drought, sometimes you have really good times. And in the last couple of years, we've managed to pick up a lot of new projects. Really grateful for that. But With that comes challenges too. You need to ramp up really quickly and have the staff available and the skills available. And so that's been hard too. But yeah, it's all a learning. And and I like the fact that it sort of resembles what farmers go through. I think it helps us understand farmers better. And really, we're just here for the farmers. So we just want the best for them. And so what are some of the opportunities and things that are exciting you about MSF as you guys go forward over the next couple of years? Yeah, some of the digital comms that we're working on is pretty exciting. We've got lots of people with some really great ideas on some new innovation. So really looking forward to rolling that out over the next couple of years. We have been quite successful in getting some really big projects up, which has a massive impact on the technologies that we can promote to growers. And that's exciting. So when you've got money, you can do more things. You can do novel things and get a bit outside of, you know, bit more outside square so yeah that's all pretty good and there's so many groups doing so many great things but I always just try and 
think, what what can be our point of difference? What can we do differently to add more value or make life easier? Because ultimately, we're here to communicate the latest research to the farmer so they can implement it as quickly as possible on a farm and make more money. So that's the challenge now. And having been part of a farming business and listening to what my own husband has to go through on the farm has been a really good filter as to what works and what doesn't or what resonates with farmers. So I appreciate that as well. Outside of MSF, what are some of the other hats that you're wearing at the moment, Tanya? Not too many other hats at the moment. I'm trying to just get my study done. So once that's finished, I'd like to get a bit more involved in the community. But I'm probably just the one little side hobby I've got at the moment is helping write the local newspaper for the community. So I've got one of the older residents of Geranium that's been here since day dot, Mrs Howard. She's been um, writing The Guardian and it's just when the school closed down, we didn't have the local newsletter anymore to let people know what was going on and just communication is just so key like you just forget how much the community appreciates just being connected to one another through any sort of means like we've got Facebook but there's still an older generation that aren't on there so Mrs Howard started writing the local newsletter and I'm giving her a hand to make it look nice and print it off and put it in the post boxes so that's my little hobby at the moment and um once I finish the study, I'll get back into some other community endeavours with gusto. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. And how many people are in the town of Geranium? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I don't know, between 40 and 60 perhaps, but there's lots of people on the farms around Geranium and then, you know, the other small towns around, like we've got Parakeet and Jaybuck and Peak and just all the towns along the Mallee Highway. We all sort of know each other. We're all part of the same football team. We're Mallee Districts. So we all come together every week and, yeah, it's a great community. How good. And how is that footy team going this year? Well, it's our, you know, our first year. We've just combined with Karunda this year. So new footy team, lots of energy, lots of excitement, some great-looking new uniforms out there. I think we've got a little bit to go on some of the performances, but, you know, we're a new club and I think what we lack in wins on the board we make up for in enthusiasm at the moment. So. That's the main thing. I love that. It's always important. Now, I have a few questions which we're going to wrap on, but one last one I wanted to chat to you about. So you were awarded the 2022 Ag Excellence Perpetual Award for Outstanding Service to Agriculture. And I know, I can see you now on the other side of it, you're cringing a little bit, but personal accolades is something that I understand you're not huge on. Yeah. It's nice to be acknowledged, but Nothing I do is ever driven out of the need for any sort of acknowledgement. It all comes just from loving what I do and loving the people I work with. And it's such a team effort, everything at MSF. There's, there's nothing you can do on your own. And I think anyone who works in a farming systems group would agree. Just the other people that I know in other groups just do it because they just truly believe in what they do and they love what they do and they love the people they work with. And I know it sounds cliche, but yeah, it's never a solo effort. So anyway, move on. <laughs> so I've got a question for you and it goes beyond that. But the question which I'm wondering for you is you're very much a, a high achiever. You're often ticking things off and moving on to the next thing, being quite busy. Do you find that challenging where you're not actually celebrating like the little or the big wins? I don't think so. I think it's just delayed. I think I am quite a reflective person. Like I love spending time with my dogs. That's what I do to take time out 
I walk with my three dogs. If I was allowed to, I'd have 10 or even more. But anyway, it's three for now and we go for a walk around the farm and quite often I just walk in silence and I just sit and reflect and think and that is some of the time I appreciate most. It's just, and I, I often reflect back. I don't often appreciate things in the moment, but most things I reflect back on and I reflect back on that award even now and I think what are the things that maybe I did to get to that point, but what are the things that I can help others do or how can I do better again? So, yeah, it's always evolving and it's lovely to get recognition. But Not the main driver. Not the main driver, yeah. Well, let's go on to some easier questions now. Slightly, I think that answer is fantastic though, that ability to reflect and make sure that you're not just glossing over. Yeah. What is being achieved and where all that hard work is actually going, not just for yourself but for others as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And also like, what are the things that I could have done better? Like, I just really appreciate that time. And that's where your cool ideas come from. So giving yourself some quiet time and space to get creative and be bored. Like, I keep telling my kids, like, you, you just need to be bored more because that's when you come up with some really great ideas. I love that, actually. That, that is true. Be bored more often. Make yourself less busy and just be bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tanya. So these are the important questions. We're asking everyone. You've made it so far through the interview, so I don't know what you're worried about in the beginning. But Okay. What is your favourite grain-based dish? I did know that you had asked other people these questions, so I have put a bit of thought into it because this morning I was thinking about it and I hadn't had breakfast yet and I was so hungry I couldn't nail down one. So I thought I better go eat something. And I've managed to work it back to I love a good spaghetti marinara or a really good wood-fired pizza. So, which is something that disappoints me a bit in the Mallee. Like it's really hard to grow durum wheat. It's just too tough here for durum wheat. So take my hat off to all the durum wheat growers out there and the Italians that just know how to make really awesome food. So they're my two picks. The magicians. I like that. Who'd be three people you'd invite around to have your wood-fired pizza or your spaghetti marinara? Yeah, yeah. This I have been laboring over because like I alluded to earlier there's just too many cool things out there like just like there's too many choices too many people in the world but I think I've nailed it down to three the first one and this is really left field is Lizzo so this is coming through the eyes of my 12 year old daughter at the moment who absolutely loves Lizzo and we're going to go to Melbourne to see her concert devastated she wasn't coming to Adelaide but we're going to hop on a plane and go see her and I love Lizzo from the point of view that uh, she's just so funny, but also just how she portrays just body self-confidence and which is so important. Like I've got three daughters and, yeah, it's just so important that they're raised knowing that it doesn't matter what you look like, you're beautiful regardless. So I guess Lizzo for one on that and I get to share that through the eyes of my child. So the other one... I've gone through a few different fads in my life. I went through a real fitness fad at one stage and it was a really good part of my life. I got really fit and really happy and healthy. And Kelsey Wells was the coach I used to follow on the Sweat app. And she's got a really good outlook on life. Now as I get older, I realise the body's ageing and there's things I can't do. So she's one I really want to talk to because she's all about using fitness for health and mental wellbeing. So I think that's really important. So she's another one. And the last one, based on a couple of GRDC workshops I went to lately, we had Lyndall Hasselman, 
she was a facilitator at those events. And I love spending days with Lyndall. She's a great facilitator. We talked about evaluation and stuff. But the reason I want to have her at the table is because she also does dog training. And I love her stories about dog training. And I really need some tips on how to get this Labrador under control. So she's on my list as well. I love that. Now, what was your first ever job? Uh, First ever job, I was a checkout chick. So I think everyone should work in a supermarket when they start work because I think people that work on a till just have it so hard. You see the best and worst of humanity when you're working behind a checkout and it just gives you an appreciation for how to be a patient person and how to pack really good shopping bags. So I highly rate that as an experience for everyone. And both my kids have both worked in as checkout assistants and they have learnt how to be nice to people, how to be good people because, yeah, you do often cop it. So good lessons in life. Absolutely. Now, what's a question that you'd like us to ask a future guest? Oh, probably based on my crazy harebrained schemes. Like if you had the freedom to do a crazy harebrained scheme, what would it be? (laughs) No judgment. I'll ask you what yours would be. Oh, I think I'd probably, like, I'm going to see how I go doing Kokoda, but I might take on something a little bit more challenging after that, climbing some other crazy mountain perhaps or getting out of my comfort zone and doing a backpacking trip somewhere, I think. Very cool. Well, watch this space. Yes, definitely. Or ask me next week. It'll probably be completely different. Oh, that's all right. Obviously going to be bored between now and next week then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tanya, I hope that wasn't as bad as what you were expecting before we started. How are you feeling now? Oh, good. No, survived okay. So, yeah, thank you for making it as painless as possible. But I was going to ask you, what are your podcasting tips? Is it surprising guests? Is that how you get the best content? Nah, I'd say just being interested. Interested, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, if there's someone who I'm like, well, why am I chatting to this person? Probably shouldn't be chatting to them. I think that's kind of a waste of their time and mine. So I think, yeah, find people who... you're genuinely interested and curious about. And then I think be prepared to a level, but I'd say like I feel more comfortable being prepared by understanding more of the backstory of people and their journeys and then seeing what pops up in conversation. Yeah. No, that's very good. You do a great job. No, thank you. Well, good luck with your podcast and everything else. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Yes, thank you. I'm actually working on editing a, my next Farm Talk podcast now, which will be on Frost. So Yeah, stay tuned for that, I guess. Fantastic. Well, thanks for that, Tanya, and we will chat to you soon. Excellent. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us for the GRDC In Conversation podcast. This series is a GRDC investment that's sharing the stories of the people who are living and breathing the Aussie grains industry. Make sure you check out some of our other conversations and hit follow on your favourite podcast app to never miss an episode.